0: An entire year wasted. I got more out of a rice cake and bean sprout sandwich than I've gotten from any of you guys. You're never going to get drafted if you continue to do this. You guys are playing like a bunch of Sally's. Hey. Not now, Sally. Thompson, you think that's funny? Because let me tell you about your kid. Everybody calls your kid 555. Five, five. Do you know why? Because this is the Antichrist. And this is your child. He's just going through a stage. Hey, you keep your kid away from my kid during his stage. Oh, no, you didn't. No, you didn't, Schultz. Mr. I-don't-know-what-goes-on-in-my-house-unless-it's-posted-on-Facebook. I tell my kid one thing. My wife tells my kid the other thing. Communicate. I have to tell my kids five times before they do anything. Tell them once, and then consequences. Coach, my kids, lazy as a sack of bananas. How how lazy is a sack of bananas? I don't have any kids, but... But my dog, he gets really happy. Oh, what? My dog? He's he's like my kid. That. We're not talking about pets here, people. We're talking about your little monsters. We have a chance to take them and mold them into productive members of society. Clearly, I'm not getting through. So I've asked a, a friend of mine to come in and, and help. She's a doctor. Please listen to her.
1: Thanks, Coach. All right, guys. The key principles here are to become your child's friend and really Inflate their self-esteem. Oh, uh,
0: so sorry about that, guys. I'm so.
1: Thank you so much. Thank All
0: you. right, my bad. I didn't quite vet that one out here. I'm going to go to the board. You got love here that's got to come in. You got communication here. It's going to come in from the outside on the zone. You're going to have to have a whole lot of teamwork that's going to come in here, and from this side, <coughs> what you're going to have to have is some patience, a whole lot of it, coming in right here on the blitz. Do you got it? Yeah! Yeah! Well, all right, and then let's go! Come
2: on! Welcome to River Rock Bible Church. Good morning, and how are you? Is everybody good? Good. Uh, We are excited to be in week two of our Parenthood series. Um, This morning we are going to be looking at the unchanging principles of parenthood. Uh, You know, it's crazy. Philosophies and and thoughts on uh, on how we should parent and, you know, how many books are there on parenting. and, And every single one of them seems to be so different. There are so many different philosophies. But even our style of parenting changes from kid to kid. Like that first kid, the pacifier drops on the ground, man. You pick it up, you boil some water, you keep it in that boiling water, you put it in the sanitizer, it's sanitized, you test it, make sure it's the right temperature, then you put it in the kid's mouth. By the time you get to your third, fourth, fifth, sixth, however many kids you have, man, that thing falls on the ground, you pick it up and call the dog over, lick this, all right, now let's plop it back in, right? Things change. But there are some unchanging principles of parenting that we're going to look at this morning. Things that that across the board are true of parenting yesterday, today, and forever on. And not just parenting, uh, it it carries over into our other relationships as well. And we're going to see this modeled in Jesus and in an encounter that he has with some children in Mark chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, I hope that you do, open up to Mark chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 13. And this is what it said, Mark 10, verse 13. It says, people were bringing their children to Jesus to have him do what? What does it say? To have him touch touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. He put his hands on them, and he blessed them. From this short little story that we have of Jesus, what we have is three unchanging principles of parenting. And the first is this. The first is loving touch. There is power in loving and appropriate touch. And we see that very first thing in verse 13. It says people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him do what? To have him touch them. Three times we have a reference to Jesus touching these children. Verse 13, it says, they they brought him to have him touch him. And it says, verse 16, he took the children in his arms. And then it says that he put his hands on them. There's something powerful about touch. Touch, loving touch, is very, very important. Uh, And, you know, I I think some of us, maybe if you're like me, you maybe have a, a wrong idea of what the touch of Jesus looked like. Like, maybe you watch the preaching channel, um, too late at night, and you get the, the guy with the white suit and the wild hair, and, and he's going, to be healed in Jesus' name, right? And, and that's your idea of what it looked like for Jesus to touch somebody. He walks up, and he's like, in the name of the Father, in the name of me, in the name of the Holy Spirit, be healed, right? But that's not what Jesus touched looked like. In fact, there's, there's a key word, uh, hapto is the word that's used there, haptomai. And uh, it, means, it means literally to kindle. Like, I'm so excited. Uh, Bear Grylls is coming back on TV. I love that show, Man vs. Wild. Um, but I love to watch him start a fire because he'll take just a little bit of kindling and get a spark going and then he'll pick that kindling up and he'll nurture that fire until it's a full-blown fire. right? And uh, So that this word, hapto, haptomai, means uh, to kindle. It means to, to embrace, to attach oneself to or to touch. And so we get a picture of, of what the touch of Jesus looked like. These children, he was attaching himself to them. He was touching them in a loving way. There is power in loving, inappropriate touch. Um, you may ask, well, why is touch so important as a parent? And in the 13th century, there was a, a king, uh, Holy Roman Emperor Frederick II, decided he was going to do an experiment. And it was a language deprivation sper- experiment where he took 50 newborn babies had them brought in, and he hired women to, to nurse them and to change them, but they weren't allowed to really hold the children, and they weren't allowed to talk to them. So there was no, goo goo gaga, no, none of that. Like, they just went in, they fed them, they changed them, they put them down, and they walked out. And the experiment failed miserably. He wanted to know, what, what would language would they speak if no one ever spoke to them? He was thinking, like, what language did Adam and Eve speak if no one ever spoke to them? And he wanted to find out. The experiment failed because within a year, all 50 children had died. And most people, most scholars think that it was because they lacked that physical touch. There is power in a heal, in healing power, in loving, inappropriate touch. Um, how many of you here would say that you are naturally uh, expressive with the touch? Like, you're naturally an expressive person with the touch. Like, you give hugs, man... That's you. How many of you would say, I'm a little bit more reserved? Uh, Most of the guys' hands are going to go up on this one. Uh, I saw some of you didn't participate because you're so reserved. You're like, I'm not playing this game. Like, I, I don't, if I get out of, out of my three-foot bubble, I'm uncomfortable. Uh, and so, everybody's different. And, you know, I've, I've been at churches where the pastor, uh, pastors take this um, greet each other with a holy kiss thing a little too far. Like, they want to, like, you run up, first time you meet them, you're like, hey, come here, give me a hug, give me a kiss. I'm like, dude, back up just a little bit. I'm, I'm pretty reserved when it comes to uh, uh, touch. Like, uh, for me, like, a godly moment You give me a handshake, look me in the eye, and we walk away. Like, that is perfect. Uh, If I do have to hug somebody, it's a hug. Three pats, break the hug, walk away. No eye contact. Um, That's it. But, uh, you know, the funny thing is that with guys, all the rules go out the window when you're playing sports. Like, you can hug somebody, you can tackle them, not even playing football. Like, you, you tackle the pitcher, you give them a little pat on the behind, and, and you know, that, that just doesn't carry over to the workplace. Like, you don't go up to somebody after, like, hey, man, that was a great presentation to our clients. Good job. That just does not work. And remember, when you, if you do do that, it's always got to be flat, never cupped. You never cup the hand. You cup the hand, you're going to meet Jesus, all right? All uh, right. But something changed in me. Like, I am, I am a personal space kind of guy, and something changed inside of me when I had children. Um, God softened my heart, and if you've ever seen me around my kids, man, every opportunity I get, I take them in my arms, I hold them, I kiss them, and we wrestle all the time. Um, with my wife, I've become more expressive with the touch in non-sexual ways, Guys, it is so important that you touch your wives in non-sexual ways. You touch her at, at times when you're not expecting it to lead to something else. She needs to learn, know that, that she can trust your touch, that, that you love her. And then you can come alongside her and, and just hold her or put your hand on her and not expect anything. There's power in that. There's power in this. And we see this even more in Mark chapter 6, verse 56. Uh, we have another encounter of Jesus And this is what it says about Jesus. It says, Whenever he went into villages, towns, or countrysides, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who were touched says what? They were healed. There is healing power in Jesus' touch. There's healing power in our touch. You know, the amazing thing about the word um, touched, if you were to do a study in the New Testament, Um, The NIV, if you study through that and you search the word touched, comes up about 20 times. And every single time that touched and Jesus are used in the same context, it's always in reference to healing. Every time Jesus touches someone, they're healed. There's power in touch. Um, This is something that I learned firsthand when we had triplets. Um, they They were premature. They were born almost 34 weeks, right, Amanda? They were 33 weeks old. Uh, 33 weeks old, they were little bitty babies. Um, And we uh, found out there's Bear right there. He was two pounds, uh, a little over two pounds. That's Malachi. He was about four pounds, seven ounces. Oh, that's Malachi. The previous one was Charlie. Malachi was four pounds. And they were little bitty babies. You can see that's a preemie diaper. Doesn't even fit on Bear right there. Uh, Just little bitty babies. And one of the things that they told us was, um, about kangaroo care or kangaroo time, where you'd come down to the NICU, and uh, it was a little embarrassing because I had to take my shirt off, and they would put the baby just with their diaper on right on my skin and wrap us in a blanket. And we would just lay there for an hour at a time, 30 minutes at a time, and they said what What happens is this kangaroo care helps the baby learn to regulate their own body temperature. Helps them learn to regulate their their own um, breathing, and regulate their own heartbeat. Uh, There is just power in that touch. And as you can see, by the time they came home, there's Malachi. He's always got that real serious look on his face. Uh, By the time they came home, they were beautiful, plump little babies. Uh, And it was just amazing to see the transformation that took place just in a few weeks um, because of that touch. You cannot underestimate the importance and the power of touch. Um, You know, one of the things that that I found out this week as I was doing some reading is that um, the need for a child to be touched in a loving and in in an appropriate way goes up in their preteen years, but the amount of loving and appropriate touches they get decreases, especially with girls. Because girls, what happens, dads, is our girls start to grow up and they start to look like women and all of a sudden we're freaked out and we're like, I'm going to go hide in the room and wait until she's walking down the aisle before I see her again uh, because I just don't know how to handle that my little girl is now a woman. And, and they're growing up. And so dads no longer uh, touch their daughters. They don't give them hugs. They, they don't do that. But what the studies show is the importance of, of loving touch by a godly man who loves them in an appropriate way, and what that can do to deter sexual sin. In fact, I read one article about preteen moms who, um, it was a specific study on moms who had more than one child before they were 16. And every single one of them, when they interviewed them, why did you um, have sex with so many people? Almost every single one of them said, I just wanted to be held. I just wanted someone to love me. I just wanted someone to touch me. And embrace me. Dads, if we can hug on our daughters and let them know that we love them. Um, and it's not just the daughters. It's important for the boys too. The, the interesting thing that I saw was that the need for touch uh, remains the same for boys as it is for girls. But boys are touched in a loving way five times fewer than girls five times. Now, you've got to get creative with boys. Like, you can't go and Eskimo kiss and butterfly kiss your 16-year-old boy when you're dropping him off at high school. That doesn't work. Like, once they get to be about seven, it's no longer cool to hug mom and dad. It's no longer cool to do that sort of stuff, but you can be creative. Man, what is what is cool for, for a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 16-year-old? Man, secret handshakes, bumping fists, blowing it up, little pat on the behind, good job, great, great hit in the game. You know, uh, remember, flat never cupped. Uh, uh, you know, you can, you can wrestle with them. Man, Find be creative and find ways to, to touch them in an appropriate way and let them know you are loved. You are loved. And I know some of you right now are, are freaked out and we're talking about touching children. And your first thought, because of the way the world is today, your first thought is about inappropriate touch. But you've got to understand that there is power when it's loving and it's done in an appropriate way. And you are loving on your kids and they need that. They need that. When they can experience loving touch uh, from a godly person in an appropriate way, then when someone tries to touch them, whether it's that 16-year-old boy that's got your daughter on a date and he tries to touch her in an inappropriate way, she's going to know, hey, that is not cool. That is not cool. All right? Uh, let's let's uh, go on to point number two Here is We have the, the loving touch is number one, the first thing that we see. The second thing is um, abundant time. Abundant time. Someone once said, how, how do kids spell time? Uh, how do you, kids spell love? T-I-M-E. Right? We've got to have time, and we see that with Jesus. It says that, that when people were bringing the, the children to, the, um, to Jesus, the disciples rebuked them, and when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Like, that's a pretty soft translation for how he felt. Um, if you think about being indignant. You think a couple chapters over where he clears the temple, Uh, he was indignant then, right? That's the same feeling that he had inside of him. How dare you uh, think about blocking these children from coming to see me? They need to see me. I don't care how busy I am. I have time for them. You know, uh, it's important that we be spending time with our kids, but unfortunately, um, when most of us think about spending time with our kids, it looks a little bit more uh, like this. (laughs) And they're off. We come in and, and we do a little bit of parenting and then we send them right out the door. We're right out the door. We, it's called pit stop parenting, right? Uh, do we have any NASCAR fans in the room? Jesus can heal you. It's okay. We will pray for you. Um, no, no. Uh, I'm not into it. My, my in-laws are into it. I'm not. I have one of my sons. He loves racing. Every Sunday, he's like, Daddy, can we watch race cars? I'm like, Son, I don't know if there's any race cars on today. And so we'll flip through, and there's no race cars on. And man, he loses it. He's like, I want to watch race cars. I'm like, well, Daddy can't. Make race cars appear on the TV, um, and if anyone ever tells them that there's more than 11 laps in a race, I will kill you, because uh, I can handle like the 11lap the thing, but the 500 laps is uh, way outside of my range. Um, but pit stop parenting: the average pit stop in NASCAR a good pit stop, is 12 to 15 seconds. If you can hit all your pit stops in 12 to 15 seconds, then you'll probably win the race, right? Uh, and you would say, man, 12 to 15 seconds, I'm way more generous with my time than that. Well, a study that was done at Cornell showed that the average dad is much more generous than that. The average dad spends at least 37 seconds a day in meaningful conversation with their children. 37 seconds of meaningful conversation with their kids. Pit stop parenting, man. You come in, it's bedtime, and you're like, hey, did you do your homework? Don't eat yellow snow. Don't have sex with the mirror. I love you. Good night. Or moms, it's, it's, come on, kids, let's get in the car. we got to go. we got to get, get, get to practice. Mom, what's for dinner? I don't know. There's a french fry under the seat. Eat it. M- there's your dad. Wave. <laughs> and you're off. And that's parenting, right? That's pit stop parenting. But our kids need much, much more time than that. Um, they need us to invest our time in them. And it needs to be time that's focused on them. We, we have to do everything we can Um, To make time for our children. Jesus had so many things that he could have done on this earth. There's so much more that Jesus could have done while he was on this earth. Uh, Yet he takes time for these children. We need to take time for our children, too. And I know um, there's, there are many different challenging circumstances. Some of you are double-income families. Both mom and dad work, and, and that's, a, that's a very challenging situation. Some of you have it uh, even more challenging. You're a single parent. You're a single parent. You're doing the best you can. You're, you're trying to do everything you can to love on your kids, and it's challenging. And, but if we're not careful, we can always find an excuse. You know, it would be easy for me to say, well, you know, I've got this church that I'm trying to get started and, and I've got all these other things that I have to do. Um, I just don't have time. But once we get to whatever, once the church grows, then I'll spend more time with my kids. Maybe for you, it's, well, once I get this promotion at work, then I'll, I'll have more time to spend with my kids. Once I, once I get a little bit more in the bank, you know, I've got to build up their savings accounts so they can go to college. Once I do that, then I'll spend more time with them. But it never comes. You Keep putting it off and it never comes. You have to make it a priority. You have time for what you choose to have time for. Let me say that again. You have time for what you choose to have time for. Billy Graham, one of the most effective evangelists of our generation, probably the most, um, was asked by a reporter, if you could do your life over again, what would you do differently? You know what he didn't say? He didn't say I would do 10 more crusades and, and I would reach thousands of more people for the name of Jesus. He didn't say I would write another book and help people change their lives through the, through the word of God. He didn't say I would start an institute, another institute for pastors where they could go and be trained and, and they could reach thousands of more people. He said I would spend more time with my children. I'd spend more time with my children. Um... My wife, Amanda, has probably one of the most hectic schedules of anyone I have ever known. Uh, she is an amazing mom. She, we have three preschoolers at home. You saw the pictures earlier, three three-year-olds, one on the way. Um, she is the manager of our household. She makes that thing run like nobody's business. I don't know how she does it. Um, when she gets sick for even like half a day, she has a headache for an hour Uh, And I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I don't know how you do this. I can't do this. Uh, She uh, serves here at the church. She's involved in the community. She's the leader of uh, Georgetown Mommies, which is the largest meetup group uh, in all of Georgetown with over 150 members. And so I've asked her to come up and let me interview her and just ask her a couple questions because getting a dad's perspective is one thing, but I think it's important that we also, um, we hear from a mom who is very busy, and if you'd like to sit, you can. I'm, um, I'm okay. Okay. It's on. It is okay. on. Yes. You'll have to hold it close. Um, so I just wanted everyone to have a chance to hear from a mom's perspective of what does it look like to spend abundant time with your kids, and so, Mena, I just wanted to ask you, what are some of the challenges that you face regarding time?
1: Well, time, I think, is probably the biggest challenge, because it just doesn't seem to be enough time in the day to... Um, to do everything that needs to be done. I know, I know in my head that it's important that I spend meaningful time with my kids, um, teaching them, loving on them, playing with them, um, but then you have bills that need to be paid, and emails that need to be sent, and um, the house is a disaster, and so it's hard it, to, when you, sometimes it comes to the end of the day and things are not done, you can, you can feel like a failure, so, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge for me.
2: So those parents who feel overwhelmed of, I, I just can't do it all, what would you say to them?
1: I would say um, it's okay. Um, sometimes we just have to let some things go, you, as hard as it is. Um, I think for, for me... Um, That came when the kids were in the NICU um, or when they first came home. I mean, I was completely overwhelmed and learning that um, it's okay if there's a pile of laundry on the couch sometimes. Um, It's okay to ask someone to come over and help. It's okay to, as hard as that is, that was a really hard thing for me to, to let people help me, um, to let go of that pride and to say, I can't do it by myself. I need someone to help me. And then um, now that they're older, they can, they can help some. And I think including them in some of the cleaning, um, the kids can take their folded pile of clothes and they know where, to, where it goes. They can pick up their own toys. They can put their plate in the sink when they're done, and um, even some things that they can't quite do yet, you know, they want to help, but it's not really helpful. Um, Just allowing them to participate in that helps um, for the future, because one day they will be able to do it,
2: Good, and And they'll be
1: in that habit.
2: um, What does it look like when you do have that specific time? I mean, what's going through your mind when you you are Let's say everything's done, and, and you guys don't have any plans. You're just spending time with the kids. What does that look like for you? What are you thinking through and trying to accomplish in those times?
1: Well, I'm um, just thinking about uh, well, what do they need right now? Um, are they are they tired? Do they just need to sit? And do we need to cuddle, or do we? Is there an activity? Are they energetic? Do we need to go run laps at the park? I mean. Um, is What's going on in our house? Is there a, a teaching opportunity? Um, is there um, something outside that they see? Is there a bird that they're looking at? And we can talk about, hey, God God created that bird. He made that bird beautiful, made it for us to look at. So,
2: And any other advice that you'd have for parents out there uh, as far as investing time with their kids?
1: Um, I think the thing that helps me... Probably the most is, um, and it's really, really hard for me because I'm not a morning person. Um, I'm not, I don't really go to bed that early either, but I need to because getting up early helps the whole day go better. Um, Getting up early, getting myself dressed and ready before the kids wake up, getting a few things done, sitting and having a few minutes to To focus on God and look in his word changes my whole day and changes my whole outlook. When I have an opportunity to focus on God before the kids even wake up, when things happen, things go wrong, I'm less likely to respond in a way that's um, frustrated and more likely to see an opportunity to teach my children and draw them closer and shepherd them closer to God. So I think that's probably the thing that's most helpful for me and something that's really challenging because I don't like to get up early.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you, Amanda. Uh, I do hope that was encouraging for all the moms and um, any of the dads even who just need a different perspective than my own. Uh, So thank you for sharing. Um, You know, one thing is uh, I... I know I joked last week about Amanda being the Holy Spirit sometimes in my life, but I really mean that in in the best possible way because God often speaks to me through her. Um, She will bring something to my attention in the most loving and gentle way and just um, kindly draw my attention to it, and then I start praying through it, and it's like, yeah, she's absolutely right. This is exactly what God wants. And um, one of the things that she's brought up recently is the cell phone. Uh, and what a distraction that is from spending time with our kids. And in fact, she even took Facebook off of her phone because uh, you know she was finding that when she did have just that little bit of whew, downtime, it was automatically go to Facebook rather than thinking or praying for the kids or thinking through what needs to be done next. And um, for me, I, I'm the same way. I, I took all the notifications off my cell phone, um, email notifications. I used to be sitting at dinner and bing. Email notification would go off, pull up the phone, look at it. Facebook notification would go off, text message, and I was looking at it, and I was missing so much time with my kids. Uh, and so I've turned off text messages. That I, I can't turn that notification off, but um, turned all the other notifications off, and I have set times when I say, okay, here's when I'll check my email, but, but not here. Um, I'm going to spend time with my kids. So going back to our unchanging principles of parenting, first is loving touch. Second is abundant time. And third is encouraging talk. Encouraging talk. What do we see in verse 16? It says he, he took them in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. We don't know exactly what he said, but whatever he said was a blessing to them. He wasn't saying, hey, cut that out. He wasn't saying, why can't you be more like your sister? He didn't say one, two, two and a half, two and three quarters. no. He welcomed them in his arms, and he blessed them. He said encouraging things to them. He would have built them up so much. And uh, there's a a study that I had a chance to go through uh, last year called Biblical Manhood. And one of the things that they say is there are three things that children need to hear from their parents, especially from their fathers. I love you. I'm proud of you. And you are good at right and And that looks like a number of different things, right? I love you, I am proud of you, and you are good at whatever it is they 're good at. Um, our kids are three, they don 't do a whole lot they 're not in sports or anything, but we try to find ways um, to to compliment them on whatever they 're doing. You know Malachi loves to draw, and uh, i I remember every time he draws something at night when we 're laying down i 'll say. Buddy, Daddy loves you. I am so proud of you. You're such a good boy. You are so good at drawing. Keep it up. Keep practicing. Bear, man, he loves to jump on stuff and jump off stuff and climb stuff. And I'll tell him, Bear, Daddy loves you. I am so proud of the young man that you're becoming. And you are so good at climbing. You are so good at jumping. You are so good at running. Charlie, she is the most loving little girl that you will ever meet. Uh, She loves to baby her baby dolls. She rocks them. She nurses them. And I'll tell her, Charlie, Daddy loves you. I am so proud of the young woman that you are. And I I, I just want you to know that you are so good at being a little mommy. You're going to be such a good mommy someday. And some nights, there's nothing that stands out during the day. And so I'll just say, you are a good boy. You are a good girl. And just encourage them in that way. It is so important. You know, as, as I was going throughout this week, um, something came across my attention, which is that there is only one place in Scripture where the God the Father audibly speaks to Jesus, his Son. And he says this. He said his baptism. He says, this is my Son. With him I am well pleased. Now I'm sure that God spoke to Jesus audibly many, many more times, but this is the one time that we have recorded and how encouraging is that to hear, this is my son, and with him I am well pleased. Parents, we need to be encouraging to our kids. And uh, I have to be honest, there are times that I'm guilty of waiting for my kids to do something wrong so I can be on top of them, and like, we've we got to fix this. But rather than looking for them to do something wrong, I, the last couple of weeks I've really tried to, to see what are they doing right what are they doing right? Even something small. Man, you took your plate to the sink without us having to even ask. That was awesome, buddy. You're so responsible. Um, Bear is one of our ones. He's the one, he's constantly climbing on stuff, and it's a challenge because he could really hurt himself. Uh, And so you always feel like you're saying, Bear, no. Bear, stop. Bear, don't do that. Bear, put the knife down. Bear, Uh, you know, you, you just feel like you're always on top of him, but he's just so active. Uh, But the other day, we were coming in, I was grilling, and and I had my hands full, and I walked through the the sliding door, which if you've ever ever had a sliding door, you know that those things are a pain, because they never work. Uh, They stick, and they're heavy, and I, I set the stuff down in the sink, and I turn around, and there's Bear over there pushing the sliding door shut. Nobody asked him to. He's just trying to do what he knows is supposed to be done. And I said, buddy, you are so responsible. Daddy is so proud of you. Thank you for shutting that door. It wasn't anything big, but to him it was. To me, it was. It was important that in that moment I say, son, daddy loves you. I am so proud of the little boy that you are. Thank you for doing that. Um, Moms and dads, we have to um, make sure that we we are loving our kids and we're touching them in a loving way, that we are spending that abundant time with them, and that we are encouraging them with our talk. Uh, I know it may seem like things are, are maybe a little bit overdramatic this morning as we talk about this, but man, life is going to fly by. Life is going to fly by. We've got one more coming, and I know that it's just eight weeks away before I'll be holding that little girl in my arms. And then I'm going to blink, and she's going to be walking across the living room. And I'll blink again, and, and she'll be riding off down the street without training wheels, on her bicycle. And I'll blink again, and she'll be driving off to college. It happens that fast. It happens that fast. We have to make our children a priority, and we have to live by these three unchanging principles, that we would have the loving touch, we would give them abundant time, and we would speak encouraging words to them. Touch, time, and talk. Our kids need all three of those. All of our relationships need all three of those. Um, this morning, I just want to encourage you that this truly begins, uh, for me, uh, it truly begins when God touched my heart at the age of six, and I began a relationship with him. That I put my trust in his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. When he reached down and touched me, uh, it, it changed my entire life. It changed me because I felt God's touch in my life. And from then on, I made every, uh, every opportunity to spend time with him, because he is always available. God is always available to us. I know for some of us it's hard to picture God as our father, because maybe you didn't have a, a good picture of, a, of an earthly father. But God is not your earthly father. He is the perfect heavenly father. He is everything that you ever wanted in a daddy. And he has all the time in the world to spend with you, and he wants to spend it with you. And if you'll spend some of that time with him, not just in prayer, but opening up his word, reading through his word, you will be amazed at how, at just the right time, God speaks to you through his word, encouraging words, letting you know, man, you are not a failure. No matter what happened, it's gonna be okay. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, and it all begins when you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning, and you would say, man, I want that. I'm, I'm missing that in my own life. There's, there's a loving touch that's missing in my life. There's an abundant time gap that's missing in my life. There are encouraging words that I want to hear from God the Father. Um, that begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I would love to talk to you more about that. Uh, At this time, I just want to pray for us and pray for all the parents in the room that that we would live out these principles, that we would set an amazing example for our kids of what it looks like to be a Christ follower. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Lord, we thank you that um, we can can see in your own ministry loving touch, abundant time, and encouraging talk. I pray that you would help us to be models of that, not just with our children, but in our other relationships as well.